Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Say that along with me if you could. The place of revival. Now, if you're one of those people that like, no matter what the preacher says, I'm not saying it along here. Now you say the place of revival. Ready? The place of revival. Okay, that's good. That's good. The place of revival. And my conclusion, and I, and I don't know this because I haven't been thinking about it too long, but I think this, I think the zenith of revival throughout all of Scripture goes back to a garbage dump. When all of revival, the biggest, the most fervent revival that's ever been goes back to a garbage dump. When a man had the fortunate death sentence to die beside the Savior. And he, deserving of all of his crime and all of his shame and all of his guilt. And what he was going through and then even into an eternity. Deserving of what he was walking into. Had the the good will or the good fortune to die beside the Savior of the Lord. And do you remember what the thief said to Jesus? He said, Lord. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Have you ever heard about the garbage dump revival? Or what about a couple of maybe seconds, maybe minutes later when Jesus died? And when he died, he went into the depths of the earth, into the grave, into the darkness. Jesus went into the darkness. In three days, God spoke and said, Hey, Son of God, hey, Son, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up out of the grave. Come up out of the darkness. Have you ever heard of the depths of the earth revival? My conclusion is this. I think, I think revival starts in our lives at the most difficult and the most desperate times in our walk. The revival happens in the hardest times of our life. Like I bet that I could go through every single person here today, and I would say, when did you experience Jesus? When did you have a sense of God's presence in your life? When did you have a revival? And I mean, I don't know all of you, but I would guess that the vast majority would have this story. It was when I was at my lowest. It was when I was walking through what was most difficult to me. I experienced revival in my life when it was the hardest to experience. I mean, some people may have the story where like, yeah, well, my kids, I had two kids. They grew up. They were really good. They were really valedictorian in their class. And then one went to MIT and one went to Harvard. Um, They wanted to be in the same city beside each other, but really didn't want to go to the same school. So one went to MIT, the other Harvard. They both graduated top of the class, though. They became amazingly successful businessmen. They have a multi-million dollar company. Now me and my husband, we are retired. We go driving. We visit everywhere. We watch the sunset every day. Our kids had 17 children. They're all missionaries in South Africa and in Hades. We have it made. And in that 90th 95th sunset, I said, hmm, I experienced God. That probably wouldn't be anybody's story. Your story is probably something like, 
if I was going through the hardest thing that I've ever walked through, when I went through that difficulty, that is when God knocked on my door. That is when God broke through to me. And that is when I had revival. You see that? Um, let me let me pray. Let me pray again, um, and and then we'll we'll continue on with the with the service. God, I pray. God, I pray. God for a revival. Not a not a vibe some or a revival of some. But, I, but for a revival. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. So there's this funny story about there's this one student, and this student had a teacher, and the teacher had, it was at a seminary, he had 12 students. And so what he would do is he would take his students and he would say, come on, let me show you this. And so what they would do is they would go in. Do y'all remember the Charles Wesley, one of the great revivalists in our nation? He would bring them into Charles Wesley's, I mean Charles Wesley, John Wesley's house. And they would open the door, and as they would go into John's house, they would enter into the kitchen. They would all, it was all 12 of them, they would just, stand around and look at like all these utensils and look what he cooked with and look where he ate and had meals prepared for him and so they would that's pretty cool and then they actually went up to his study and then the students would just gather around his desk and it was really cool because there's books everywhere and they would open the books and just smell them and smell that old paper and they would feel the back of the spine and oh man this is amazing and even some of them would open books and have John's own handwriting in there to where he felt like this what this book was referring to and what it meant and just the history that was in that room but then they went to John's most intimate quarters they actually went up to his bedroom and in a bedroom, probably no, 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 is a small bedroom, probably no bigger than that room right to my right. They would go and he would, they would gather around his bed. And it was all 12 of them. And as they were standing, one said, I noticed there's something in the carpet. And the teacher said, yeah, very good observance. What that is, is that is an indention of where John, every single morning, he used to get on his knees. And I would do that, but my, 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 my probably break it um he used to get on his knees and he would pray to god not for seconds and not for minutes but for hours on end every single day he would john wesley would pray god would you use me god would you use me and so all the students were kind of like looking around like this is really cool you know and they were in the moment and then they just left they all went back to the bus and so the teacher the professor actually started to count one two three Four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, eleven. Okay, we're looking. We're missing a twelfth. So he went back into the kitchen. Hello, anybody there? No. Back into the study. Hello, anybody there? No. And so he peeked his head. The teacher did into the little living quarters there of John Wesley and noticed the silhouette behind the bed. And he was like, Oh, I wonder who that is. And so he listened to his ear and could hear what the student was praying. And here's what the student was praying: God, do it again. God, do it again. God, please do it again and use me. And so the teacher took a couple of steps and put his hand on the shoulder of this young student. And for the first time, Billy Graham 
got off of his knees and walked over and got on the bus. And guess what happened in his story? God did it again. And I just wonder, like even today, what it would look like if God would do it again in our lives and we would raise our hand and say, yes, I wish that God would do it again. That I'm so tired of becoming and being a nominal Christian. Just going through the motions or living the American dream. I'm so tired of reading a verse a day to, 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 to keep the devil away. I want, like, I want more. I wish that God would do it again. I just wondered, like, what it would be like in our lives if we said, I'm leaving every excuse behind. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm taking up my cross and following the one who, who never stopped short, who never surrendered, who never will leave me or forsake me. Jesus, He is with me always. He came and He conquered. He died and He rose again. And now He's calling me, causing me, commanding me to breathe again, to hope again, to trust again, to give again to expect again, to rejoice again, to fight again, to rise again. Right here, right now, in the name of Jesus, I wonder what it would be like if we would say, I will rise and I will walk again. Do it again, God. I was looking at the word revival this week. While I was soaking up sun rays and getting sunburned, <laughs> Kat said, wow, you, uh, your nose <laughs> got, a little, got a little red. I said, well, I'm Rudolph. And I realized that the word revival actually comes from this word to revive, being the root word, which means to bring back to life. And then, more importantly for our topic today, the, the, the latter is the, being the word, and this is just kind of a play on words, but, but all. But revive all. Like, the Bible says, all throughout Scripture, God would speak, and God would, God, some people would respond to God. That's all throughout Scripture. That some people would respond to God. Jesus would speak and He would say, He would give the Sermon on the Mount. And some people became His disciples and followed Him. But some people, they left. They said, oh, look, I'm out. I don't understand. We're out. All throughout the Old Testament, some people would follow God. Some people would follow the world. But every now and then, Every now and then, what would happen is that all the people would turn to God. All the people would cry out. All the people would repent. All the people would experience revival. And that is what we are asking for this morning, this week. It's not that some, not that one. That's usual. That's what typically happens. But what we are asking is that all of us would have Look at Jericho. Do you remember, um, not Jericho, look at, look, at, look at Jonah and the whale when he went to Nineveh. Oh, fish, okay. When he went to Nineveh. 
And as he went to Nineveh, do you remember when he preached to Nineveh, do you remember what the scripture says? It says something really interesting. It says that how many people repented? It says that all, even the king, sat in burlap. And he, he repented before the Lord. And actually, he, he, he made it mandatory that you should fast and eat. And even the donkeys and camels, he's like, don't even let them eat. Revive us all. It, 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 the question I reckon is that I'm trying to ask, if you want me to just speak frankly and not preacher talk, this is, um, this is like if I was talking to you one-on-one, Miss Leanna, this is what I would say. I would ask the question like how? How would that happen? How, how would God's, God use you and use me and also use Miss Linda Kay and also the Threats and then also the Fishers and everybody in here? All, like how, how would that happen? That's a really tip, uh, a good question to ask, I think. So how would be a really great question. Well, let's start there. Um, the first way that God would use us is that we would be this. We would be this. Um, we would be available. Is that we would be available. What does being available even mean? I love... I'm talking about absolutely love. Um, this the best candy ever, best dessert ever is called Dipping Dots. This is a true story. You're not going to believe me, um, but I'm going to tell it anyway, Mr. J, Miss Lisa. So just give me some grace. I drove one time all the way to Gulf Shores just to get a thing of Dipping Dots, and then I came back. Like, that's really from, like, from here, like, from my house. So, it was like, a four-hour. That's crazy. That's weird. That's, yeah, I know. You're not, you're not telling me. Um, I went to the beach six days last week, and guess how many days I got Dippin' Dots? Six. <laughs> six, all right? One day I got a medium, and uh, Kat, like, almost lost her mind. She's like, I can't believe you just got a medium. Four days I got a large, and then two days I got a jumbo cup. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, and Kat one day, and I... She, she, I love Kat. You know, she's amazing. She asked me one day, she said, Drake, I have a favor to ask you. I have a really good favor. And I, and I said, of course, anything for you, honey. What do you need? And I really did. I said, yeah, sure. What do you want? And she goes, before even I knew what she was going to ask, I, I automatically just said, yeah, sure, whatever. She said, may I have some of your Dippin' Dots? We almost fought. <laughs> like, like, she almost had to walk back. <laughs> Well, I almost had to walk back, but that's besides the point. This is a true story. And so I, like, gave her, like, a couple of little bites, and then I hid it in the back. <laughs> I put it like, you can't get these anymore, you know. I put, I put them in the back. But why did I say yes before I even knew what was on the table? I said yes because of who she was, because I trusted her, because I was like, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, my different eyes. <laughs> because I trusted her. Because I was saying, hey, look, I am available. I have my yes on the table. I am available for whatever you say. And here's what we need to understand this as a people group. We need to say, have our yes on the table to God throughout this next couple of, couple of days. That we will be available for God to use us however He wants to speak, however He wants to move. Um. Miss Beth, let me ask you this question. Is this one of the smaller churches you've ever led at? Probably so, huh? One of the smallest? The only church that you've ever led. So, it is, so it's the biggest, too. It's the, it's the biggest. <laughs> biggest and the smallest. Okay, here we go. All right. Would y'all, this is a pretty small church, wouldn't you all say? Like, I mean, uh, and generally speaking, compared to like a, maybe a Pond Lake or a Broadmoor, I mean, for goodness sake, our lights are like kind of flickering. Um, that may be my fault. I did climb up in the attic the other day. So <laughs> there's that. But anyways... 
uh, relatively speaking, this is a small church, right? And so let me ask this. Well, can God use a small church? Can God use a small church? I mean, nobody sees us. Nobody really even, I mean, when you get out of Mississippi, nobody really even knows that we're here. Uh, you know, could God do a mighty work in, in us? We don't have the numbers. We don't have the style. We don't have the, the, the banking account. What, how, what can we do? And the idea is this, is that just because we are not visible to the whole world, just because we are not visible and not a larger church, doesn't mean that, God, that we don't have value. Here's this. It's not about our visibility that gives us power. It's about our availability that gives us value to God. And so through this week, if we will come and say, you know what, I have my yes on the table. I, I, we as a group, will do wherever you call, wherever you leave, whatever you're saying, yes, we will go there, we will do this, we will hear, we will listen, we will obey. If we come with our yes, then God will bless our yes. It's not about visibility. It's about availability. The second thing that God may be wanting to do he may be wanting to um, do this right here. I'm just going to call this a, uh, a deep cleanse. Um, what do I mean when I say a deep cleanse? I mean when I say a deep cleanse to get rid of some sin that may be in our life. To get rid of some, some, like some habits that we, that we have set up in, 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 in our lives. Let me, let me say it like this. Do you remember the word that we studied a little bit a few seconds ago? Let there be light. Revival. What does revival mean? Let me see if you're paying attention. Revival, yeah. And then what does revive mean? To bring, bring back to life. So if something has to be brought back to life, then it must have been dead. But there is something that can die. There really is something that can become dead. I think that is a conscience. A conscience. That sometimes we can sin so much and we can like say no to God's conviction and to God's to God's trying to get us back course correct. And we can say no, 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 no. And we can start walking in a way where our conscience has died and we don't feel that conviction anymore. We don't feel that guilt anymore. We don't feel God tapping on our hearts anymore. And so maybe God, what he wants to do with us through these next couple of days, maybe he says, hey, look, I want you to change some habits. I want you to, I want you to get, start, start to revive that conscience. I was doing a, I'm doing a study right now. And it's for a series that's going to be called The Glory of God in the Human Body. And one of the things that I've studied while I've been studying is this, is that right now your skin has over a thousand species of bacteria on it. That's nasty. I'm going to, uh, I mean, in, in, unless you're Asher. Asher, um, he has 2,000. I, I, I went to camp with him, I know. Okay, no, I'm just kidding, Asher. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so do you know where 67 of those species of bacteria are located? Do you know? In your belly button. So please, wash your belly button at night. That's just my own little thing. Just wash your, okay, wash your belly button. That's just gross, okay? Over a thousand different species of bacteria that's on your skin. And do you know this, that your body has a way of fighting it? Every 28 days, your skin renews itself. Every 28 days, the skin that you have on your outer layer falls off and it's replaced by brand new cells, brand new skin. This is happening every 28 days. And so you wonder why you can't keep a tan. Well, you know, 28 days I'll be walking around like, you know, white as ever. 28 days. 
You know they say that the average, the average time it takes to create a new habit, 28 days. Specific number is anywhere from 21 to 30. That's why Caleb does the 30-day challenge to create a new habit. How long is it to break a habit? How long does it take? Psychologists tell us about 90 days. About 90 days. And maybe God is wanting to do a deep cleanse in us to say, hey, look, there's some things that you need to take off. There's some things that you need to get rid of and replace them with brand new things. Much, much better things. Another thing, another, uh, I've lost my tape, and that is a good place to be. Here we go. All right. I did bring back up tape, though, so we're okay. I figured something as much would happen, so here we go. All right. You've got to be prepared for being... Um, me, I guess. Okay, here we go. The next thing that I wanted to say that God may be willing to speak to us this week or maybe leading us in this direction is that is Jesus our life coach or is he our Lord? Is Jesus our life coach or is he our Lord? Last week we did a whole sermon called Life Coach or Lord. Do you all remember this? whole series called Life Coach or Lord. And let me say this. I wanted to bring it back up because of this idea. If Jesus, do you remember when I started out telling the story about how when me and Kat got married, we went to marriage and family camp, uh, mar- we went to marriage premarital counseling, and our, our counselor, Mr. Don, he's like, you need to do these things and not do these things. And so he's like, okay, so we took his advice for some stuff, and then we let some stuff go out the window. He was a really good life coach, but at no point did we call him Lord. At no point did we say, okay, yes, whatever you say, Lord. That would have been an unhealthy relationship. But sometimes we treat Jesus like a very good life coach, but he's not our Lord. And I wanted to bring this up today because I wanted to say this. I'm talking to everybody now. Hear this. If Jesus is your life coach, you are not a Christian. If that's all Jesus is to you as a life coach, you are not a Christian. Think about that. Do you believe that? Think about it. You may believe it. You may not. It's okay. That's just what I believe. I think that you can believe in Jesus, like have an understanding of who Jesus is, and he be your life coach and not your Lord. And my biggest fear, my biggest fear in the Bible Belt is that there are churches all throughout the South and all throughout the Bible Belt, large churches, big churches, small churches, medium-sized churches, churches with hymns, churches with contemporary, churches with lights, churches with stages. It doesn't matter. I think that there are all types of people who think themselves to be saved because they believe in Jesus, but all he is is a life coach. This is my biggest fear, is that one day they will say, Jesus will look at them and he will say, depart from me for you who practice lawlessness. In my version, um, I was only your life coach. I was never your Lord. I'm so sad to say this, but I honestly thought my entire life that revival, all revival was is that you just invited people that you didn't think were saved or maybe kind of questioned, like, are they saved or I don't know. You So you just invite them to church and they come, they hear a message and hear a great message and at the end of the day, at the end of the message, well, um, maybe they got saved, maybe they didn't. But if they did, maybe three or four or five of them got saved and then it was like a real revival, you know. We got the baptism well and full the next Sunday. We got five people saved, man, our revival. It was a great time. We had a great revival. And, but that's not really the gist of what a revival is. That's a vibe of some. That's some people being brought to life. But what this idea is, is that is us all saying, you know what, God, you 
are our, our Lord. You are Lord, Lord of our life. Get this, get this. Next way, next thing that we need to do is that, I'm just going to go here. I'm going to go here. And I found my tape. Last thing that needs to be present at a revival is this. And you would think this was just so, you would just think this was so obvious that, hello, that like Jesus needs to be present. I mean, this is a revival, but it's really not. Get this, one of the most saddening and threatening verses in all of Scripture comes to us as a one-liner, but it comes to us from John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, get what Scripture says. It says that Jesus stopped showing himself publicly because of this. So because of something, Jesus quit showing himself publicly. And that made me think, well, what did Jesus do? Or what happened? What was the this? that calls people to stop for calls Jesus to stop showing himself publicly so I went and read and what I learned is that there was these Sadducees and these Pharisees and they wanted to find Jesus and so they went to the temple and knocked on the door and they went in the temple and they said Jesus where you at they looked everywhere if there is anywhere that you would think that you could find Jesus, you would think that you could find him in the temple of God. I mean, this is Jesus. This is where Jesus should be. And they looked and they looked and they looked. And guess who they did not find? They did not find Jesus. And could this be a tragedy of our churches today? That if somebody walked through the back door and was like, Where's Jesus at? Or somebody came for this revival. And they thought, they thought there's an amazing musician, amazing musician, maybe amazing musician. I don't know, Brother Guy, but I have heard some great things about him. I'm sure he's marvelous. And he, you know, he did a great sermon, and there were some uh, pamphlets and bulletins in the back, and our choir did an amazing job. And who knows, maybe we had some cool lights, and, and, and who, we, we could even get a smoke machine up here and all this other cool ambient stuff. I don't know. There was all this stuff. Off. But guess what wasn't there? Jesus wasn't there. And woe to us if we are that type of church that says we have all the right things, but what is missing is Jesus. And let me say this. If Jesus isn't here, this is all for nothing. This is all for nothing. The music, the preaching, me, us, all your prayer, all your fasting, all your thoughts towards this revival, it's all for nothing. If that God, if that God, if he doesn't show up here, we might as well not come. It can be great, but if he's not here, it's, gonna, it's, it's nothing. There's this, this theologian that I was listening to. It's actually a woman. Um, she's a brilliant. She writes. She she writes these um these devotional books. I guess is what you would call it. But it's really more than that. She's a brilliant mind. And I was reading, and she never really told a joke um, in her books or in her even in her talks. She never told a joke or an example. She just she's bland. She just tells you how it is. And in a, in an interview one day, she was asked, "Well, why don't you tell more jokes or or or, or make your talks more entertaining?" And here's what she said. She said, well, people didn't come for me. People came to hear 
Jesus. People came for Jesus. People are so attracted to this man. People are so... He will change lives. He will change lives. It's the only reason that we come. And so here's what we're going to do. Maybe today you're here and you just want to say... Um, and let me tell you where we're going. Actually, where we're going is that if you are an able-bodied person in here today, like if you have two arms and legs, um, everybody pretty much except Mr. David can come up here. Up here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? Uh, we're going to ask that you come. We're going to ask today that, that if you're an able-bodied person that you come and you pray. And so maybe you're going to come in a few moments and you're going to pray, God, I don't know what you have on the table for me this week. I don't know where you're going to lead me. I have no clue. But all I know is that I want to be available to you, God. And so maybe this is where you're going to come. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I got some habits that I need to fix and I got some things that I need to kind of clean up in my life. And I want God, I, I, this is where I need to go. Maybe you'll come to the deep plans. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I just, I, 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 Jesus have been, has been my life coach. Maybe Jesus has been my life coach for a long, long time, and I thought myself saved. But now, through this week or through right now, through this moment, I, I, I need to make him Lord of my life. Something crazy happened in Jonah, and God told Jonah, he said, God spoke to Jonah for a second time. He's one of the only ones that it says that in all the Bible. All, everywhere it says, they harden their heart, they harden their heart, they harden their heart, they harden their heart, they harden their heart. And in Jonah it says, um, he ran, he hardened, but God spoke a second time. God doesn't always speak a second time. And so if God is speaking, don't ignore that. Maybe you just need to come here and pray, God, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what this revival is going to hold. I don't <laughs> But all I know is I want it to hold you. All I know is I want you to be present here. Whatever that looks like, I'm cool with it. But Jesus, would you please come? And so whichever one of these are you, we're going to give you that opportunity to come. But let me speak about the very last thing that I want to say. That is nothing. That is nothing. It's going to take a lot of humility and wisdom about yourself to admit this. But for so long, this is what I expected from a revival. That's sad to say, isn't it? For so long, this is what I expected from a revival. It would just be another, another meeting. Sometimes I even think that about church services, if I'm being honest. It's just another meeting. And maybe some of us in here would raise their hand and they would say, look, this is what I've expected. But I want to change that today because I want to become one of these revive all people. I want God to move everywhere. I want God to revive us all. And maybe you're going to come up here and say, God, please forgive me. God, I want you to move. I expect you to move. Would you do it in my life? And so as Miss Melanie and Miss Beth come up here and lead and whenever I get through praying, if you can, what we're asking is that you just, wherever you want to go, you just pick one and then you pray for that. If you don't know what to pray for, just pray for availability. And maybe God's speaking to you about something else. To say, God, would you please speak? Would you please show yourselves to us this week?
God, thank you for everything that you've given us. I pray that you would just put a specific thing on all of our hearts, God. Not just some, but God, I pray that you'd put it on all. And once again, if somebody's not able to come, we don't want them. We don't want to put them in a bind, but if they are able, we pray that they would. We pray that you would speak, God. And I pray that we would be a people of prayer before this revival. And God, even now, as revival hopefully is starting in all of our hearts. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.